I'm Kim. I'm Billy. And we're best friends who like talking about movies. But sometimes we also like talking about other things. And so this is our first edition of the Kim and Billy Talk Catch-Up, where we're just going to talk about just Some art cool and stuff, stuff going on, yeah. that we've been watching lately and enjoying or reading or listening to, and I'm sorry, I'm going to cough. Well, Kim coughs uh, a lung up. What I'll say is we're testing this out. It's all in flux. Uh, sometimes you might get fun stories from our week. You might get... Uh, leftover thoughts that are bubbling up about message in a bottle a week later and <laughs> Billy's still mad still mad but uh yeah for right now what we're going to be doing is just talking about some of the stuff we're watching listening to reading uh and what it means to us so yeah. Kim you want to kick things off um no no <laughs> all right so I'm gonna I'm gonna get things rolling here Okay. It's not so, that I don't have things to say. I just uh, know that you have prepared points, and I'm going to be a little bit more freewheeling on this. Um, <laughs> pressure. <laughs> okay. So, um, first thing I want to talk about is some stuff that recently became available to stream. Uh, so, last year, I was on this weird project of I really wanted to get back into fantasy films. Mm -hmm. um, for a variety of reasons and wanted to step a little bit outside of like kind of the sword and sorcery stuff I'd watched growing up. And as part of that, uh, really made a concerted effort to kind of learn the, the ins and outs of what I'm going to loosely and incorrectly call Kung Fu movies. Okay. Um, one of the amazing things about being a, a fantasy nerd or a genre nerd is that there are so many different ways you can categorize and subcategorize genres and uh, you can go online and see all sorts of debates about like what is a kung fu movie, what's a wuxia movie, mm -hmm. in the same way you can see like what's sword, sword and sorcery versus epic fantasy. Um, See, this is why I wanted you to go first. My thoughts are okay. much more vague. But so what I'm talking about is like I really wanted to get into Hong Kong and Taiwanese martial arts movies. Um, and growing up, these movies were not all that hard to come by because like we live in Toronto and there are a lot of really, really great uh, video rental shops here. And I remember there one, being one just a few blocks from my house. You could walk over and pick up like anime and Kung Fu movies and uh, weird 80s sci-fi. Um, but it's a little harder in 2019. Uh, and so Toronto, we're like, we're kind of down to one DVD rental place, which is Bay Street Video. And it's amazing. Mm -hmm. And they have everything. Um, and they were super awesome about uh, helping me on my little odyssey of... of uh, Kind of going through back to the like 60s and 70s Kung Fu stuff. Um, Will you watch Kung Fu Panda? That's I love Kung Fu Panda. Oh, it's a great movie. I just oh, expected you to maybe be annoyed by that question. No. I. <laughs> Your reaction was the opposite. Yeah, no. Well, for. like, because I am not, I'm, I'm like not a diehard from youth Kung Fu fan, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I'm the super annoying guy who's like, I really liked Kill Bill 2, right? <laughs> It's a good movie. It's a great movie, but but I you know kind of wanted to go behind it. So, a couple of things have just become available on screening, uh, streaming, and uh, this I'll be honest, I don't know if what I'm talking about is like Canada exclusive, and maybe it's been available in the states for like the past ten years. Mm -hmm. But anyway, there are a couple of things that have gotten easier to watch if you are so interested. So if you go online and you Google like what are the kung fu movies I need to see, like the best of the genre, there are two titles that are going to come up all the time which is 36 Chamber of Shaolin and Five Deadly Venoms. Both of those got dropped on Netflix uh, a couple of months ago mm -hmm. and uh, without much ceremony or announcement, which kind of sucks because these are truly amazing, awesome, fun movies. Mm -hmm. But if you have a Netflix account and you're looking to get into Kung Fu, 36 Chamber of Shaolin and Five Deadly Venoms, like 
best place to start. The other thing is Criterion Collection just released um, Dragon Inn and A Touch of Zen, which are considered like some of the best in Taiwanese martial arts filmmaking. So cool. they're out on DVD. They're out on Blu- DVD. What the fuck's the matter with me? They're out on Blu-ray, <laughs> but you can also rent them through uh, the Google Play Store or iTunes or wherever you get your streaming stuff. So check that out. That was just such a great recommendation that you gave. Oh shucks. I Thanks. am going to follow it up by saying, as soon as you mentioned getting back into the fantasy film genre goal that you had, or just getting outside of it, whatever, my brain immediately started yelling about the fact that Netflix Canada has decided to drop some Harry Potter movies oh, onto yeah. our platform. And it is making me so angry that they have only dropped Harry Potter 5, 6, 7, like parts 1 and 2. How dare you, Netflix? How dare you? Okay, here's the thing. I could understand them dropping movies 1, 2, 3, but you cannot drop 5, 6, 7.1.2 without... Goblet of Fire. No, 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 no. You could drop one, two, three separately, and I would understand that because that's like a trio right there. But the rest of them, you have to include four, five, six, seven. Because, again, like from Philosopher's Stone to. Philosopher's Stone. I'm very upset right now. <laughs> oh, oh, the falafel, the falafers. Oh man, could go all night. It's a hard word so to say. Are what you saying from the novel where Voldemort returns to physical form through to the end has to be like one? It, it, it's one unit. I mean, yeah. if you're going to draw a line in the spoiled. Harry Potter thing, <laughs> if you don't know how yeah, that true. series yeah. ends, like where have you been for the past twenty years? But. You can't, like, I can understand drawing a line between Harry Potter 3 and Harry Potter 4 because, like, Harry Potter's 1, 2, 3, like, that's its own little separate universe. And then Harry Potter 4 through to the end, that's its own thing. And I know that the reason why Netflix Canada is dropping those later movies is because they're trying to get people excited about Crimes of Grindelwald. And I just don't care. Are you not excited for the Crimes of Grindelwald? Nobody cares. And I, like, it's actually made me hate Crimes of Grindelwald even more because... Did you see it? No, and I have no desire to. I mean, like, if it's going to be free on Netflix at some point, I'll probably watch it. yeah. But I am mad at it even more right now because Netflix has denied me Goblet of Fire, which is. So if you're keeping score at home, Netflix, (laughs) good job with the Shaw Brothers movies, bad job with the Harry Potter. Okay. So I'm going to kick it back to you. What's your next thing you're going to talk about? So over Christmas, I got The Annotated Big Sleep, which is a, a new edition of Raymond Chandler's first Philip Marlowe novel, edited by Owen Hill. Uh, Pamela Jackson and Anthony Dean Rizzuto. So one of my favorite novels, um, annotated editions are the kind of things I love to own, but I rarely enjoy reading because it's a weird experience, right? Like they're great if you need to read. How is it annotated? Is it like footnotes or is it like in the margins? So on the left page, I've seen different ways of doing this in this specific book on the left-hand side of the page, you get the text of Raymond Chandler's novel Mm -hmm. with, um, notes, and then on the right side, you get the notes. Okay. Right? Cool. Uh, including images and stuff. So it's weird because like every two sentences, you're being pulled out of the novel and going to read a note. So I love owning annotated editions, but they're awkward to read. This is the first one where like I was able to read through this front to back and it was a truly amazing experience. The, the, the research, 
done into um, L.A. of the late 30s was amazing. What I also want to give them just intense props for is, you know, something we've been talking about a lot about lately is the no-go box. These guys are masters of the no-go box. So, you know, it's one of those weird things where if you enjoy a novel written in the late 30s, you'll be out on public transit reading it and you'll be like, oh, there's a word that I wish was not in my hands in public, right? And people can just look over your shoulder and that's all they see and they make assumptions about you. Exactly. You You have to be like, no, no, no. (laughs) It's 100 years old. Um, (laughs) Doesn't make it okay, but... But so this totally changed my perspective on a bunch of things because what they do every time there's an instance of... And and look, like hard-boiled fiction from the 30s, like you get the whole shebang. They don't miss anything. You get misogyny, you get racism, you get homophobia. Each time they give you a literary theory response to it, right? So Mm -hmm. like, here's what feminist theory would say about what's going on here. Interesting. And they give you the historical response. And uh, so much of their research truly blew my mind because there were things where I've always been, you know, I've read this and I'm like, oh, Raymond Chandler is a terrible person against this group for this reasons. And they'd have a note, which is like, well, we're not saying he's not, but here's what he said in his private letters about this. And here's what this specific word meant in... 1938 and so know that context and then there were other things where you know the first time reading the book you would come across word and be like well it's a sign of the times right everybody was using it and then you have a note being like nope even for the time this is horrifically awful and having really super cool yeah having that context it totally changed one of my favorite novels for me and it's just it's a beautiful amazing edition it looks great on a coffee table I, I will be candid and mm-hmm. say that hard-boiled crime fiction in general is not my genre. Not your bag. But you just sold me on this annotated edition because it sounds it sounds intertextual in a really cool and fun way, which isn't nerdy. Mm-hmm. Nothing just, nerdy <laughs> about it at all. So that is my second shout out for the all week. Right. Okay, um, mine, um, I don't know that I'm allowed to shout this out yet because I'm not quite done it, but um, I sort of reluctantly started, well, no, let me let me rephrase. Um, I'm going to go back to the very beginning of this story and say that a couple of months ago, I was served an ad on Instagram, Instagram advertising, it works, mm-hmm. and it was for these two posters, which uh, basically just featured, one was a book poster, one was a movie poster and it's like a hundred books, a hundred movies that you need to watch. And then you scratch off the ones that you've watched and listeners, I'm very motivated by goal based activities. And so both of these posters were on sale for 15 bucks. I said, done $30, no skin off my back. And the posters have arrived and they're in my home. And now that I've had the opportunity to closely study them, they're, they're pretty problematic in that the lack of females on each poster mm. is very disturbing. However, I mean, like they're like they're also just like perfect encapsulations of like just what media has been like popular media in both books and in film over the past, I'd say, 50 years. So problematic. They've inspired me to create my own 100 uh, books, my own 100 movies that you Ooh. need to watch, which I think the movies are all female driven. And then the books, I, it's just like it's equally weighted because there's just so many books that I love. OK, but um. Anyway, that's not the point. One Wait, of the, what's on your list? 
Uh, well, I have spreadsheets. Okay. Really. And maybe at some point I'll share them can if you, people are actually interested. Can you interested. give a shout out from like what's on your movie list? I'm just curious. Just well, give me one. it's just like the fact that there's no Nora Ephron, for example. Oh, that's on a crime. The, like, yeah, right? Yeah. So just like things like that. But um, one of the movies that I uh, wound up rewatching on the poster, because again, despite the fact that I disapprove of the the representation that they've got going on in each poster, mm-hmm. I'm still very driven by goal-based activities. Right. <laughs> And I will scratch off these posters. Um, so I will also preface this by saying I've seen basically 99, I was going to say 90%. I've seen 90 of these movies before, but in some cases it's been many years. And I quite frankly don't count art that I've consumed before my brain was fully developed as art that I've yeah. actually seen or read as an adult. Um, so what? Wait, can I ask you a question? Mm-hmm. What's the cutoff point where your brain was fully developed? So, honestly... there's stuff I read in high school that I'm, I did not read. Well, that's what I mean, right? Yeah. Like, I think if I read it or watched it or listened to it or just, like, whatevered with it before the age of 25, it doesn't count because good I was cutoff date. That's such a, good, a different person. Okay. Um, I was worried you were going to put it a lot earlier and then I was no, going to feel No, no. Like, the fact that I'm still alive after all the shit I pulled as a 22-year-old. Well, exactly, because there's <laughs> stuff I read in university that I returned to even later in my 20s, and it was entirely different. Yeah, and I have so much more I could say about that, but I'm taking a very long time with this story. Anyway, this is all to say, uh, one of the movies that I rewatched so I could, uh, and I have rules around which movies I'm allowed to like watch on the poster. Like it's a very intricate system I've set up for myself. But um, the one that I had to watch next was Groundhog Day, which is the, uh, it's the 1993 movie with... Mm -hmm. Bill Murray, who used to be a fave and he's not anymore, and I have feelings about that, but that's a whole other discussion. Not a lot of faves left. Yeah. Um, I had this beautiful Bill Murray poster, too, which I actually had, like, commissioned, and then I just, I gave it away at a, oh, I just, anyway. So you, you know my brother, right? Yeah. I got a call from him yesterday. Yeah? And he's like, I own $500 worth of Ryan Adams vinyl. <laughs> What do I do with it? I love your brother so much. He was really upset. (laughs) He's going to be embarrassed for talking about him on the podcast, but he has such a good heart. Hey, Billy's brother. (laughs) He's a a good person. He's a wonderful person. Okay, so here I am watching Groundhog Day, and, you know, I'm trying my best to be objective about it. I put my feelings Mm. about Bill Murray aside. And I will say, like, my biggest feeling with Bill Murray is just disappointment because I loved him so much. Mm. But um, anyways, I'm watching this movie and I'm getting so infuriated that one, this movie's a classic. And two, no one is talking about, again, I get it, it was like 1993, but that movie is terrible. Like, the universe conspires in Bill Murray's favor. Like, he's a terrible, awful person and they basically teach him how to become a better person so as to win this woman that he so clearly does not deserve. And, like, he goes through arcs, yeah, he like, he like he's being a cat about it, like, he deliberately uses the day reset to, like, sleep with women, and it's gross, and it's icky, and by the end of the movie, he's a better person. But what makes him so worthy of all of this training from the universe? He is an awful, awful man. Anyways, that's my feelings about Groundhog Day. I don't like that movie. And when the trailer for Russian Doll dropped on Netflix, I went, oh, no, they've taken an actress I really, really admire, and they've put her in the female version of Groundhog Day, 
and I just have such negative feelings about Groundhog Day. I don't want to watch this show. And so I didn't even add it to my list, which was... Ooh. That's, yeah, ooh, that's cold, yeah. And then all of this media comes out about how Russian Doll is actually fantastic and brilliant. But the thing that made me really want to watch it was learning that it's a female-led production. Mm. So it's, and I apologize if I butcher any names, I'm not very good at it, it's Natasha Lyon, Amy Poehler, and Leslie Headland. They made this show. They wrote this show. Natasha stars in the show. And I have been watching it and just really fucking loving it. Like with each episode, this is why it's called Russian Doll, right? Just like a whole new layer is peeled back. There's so much going on. And I like I'm actively involved in the mystery. I want to know what's happening. And this this is rare for me. If I love a show, I'm staying up until four a.m. to finish mm-hmm. it. I don't care consequences be damned the next day. This one is so smart, and there is so much happening that I'm taking my time with Ooh. it. And I am on the last episode now. It's called Ariadne. And if you know anything about Greek myths, uh, Ariadne, uh, she basically, she's kind of like hanging out by this labyrinth and she has to um, save the guy she loves by giving him a weapon to fight the monster in the labyrinth. And so I'm just going to take a deep breath. I'm going to watch this finale and I'm very excited for it. I think I'm only now realizing that's why Ellen Page was called that in Inception. Um, so I got stuck on episode two of Russian Doll. I was enjoying it, but I, I think like I was getting stressed out about like how many fish are in the tank. Um, I should, I should power through. I, I really think you should. There's one line in there that I love so much and I think it's become, it's going to become my new life motto, but Nadia, Natasha's character, Mm -hmm. at one point she just like, she just like likes it. She likes it. She lights a cigarette in her fabulous way. Smoking is bad. Don't smoke. Yeah. But, but she looks very cool. Doing she it. looks very cool doing Don't it. Don't smoke. It's not good. <laughs> and then she says, all right, let's make some choices. And I just <laughs> fucking love that. All so, right, let's make some um, choices. I, at some point in the future, would like your 7,000 word essay on Groundhog Day versus Edge of Tomorrow. Okay. Because I okay, know how okay, much you okay, love okay, the okay, latter. Okay. So, but let's... Put a pin in it. Oh, I could give you a 10,000 word essay on why those movies exist in different, different universes. Like I, that one, trope, the Groundhog Day trope does not apply to Edge of Tomorrow as far as I One concerned. of these days, like on our five-year anniversary or whatever, mm. we're going to have to do the nine-hour Edge of Tomorrow miniseries. It will be nine hours. We yep. will release them in nine parts. Yep. <laughs> It'll be great. Okay. So, I mean, I think that's it. Anything yeah. we're missing? You have four great things to check out, and I guess one thing you should not check out. Um, I mean, watch all the Harry Potter movies. Just you have to do Groundhog it in Day. an order that makes sense. Right. <laughs> Don't watch Groundhog Day. <laughs> I'm actually... <laughs> that is such an internet favorite movie. <laughs> I know we're it is, and people are probably going to hate me for saying that, tweets. but... You know what? Watch that movie and come Can at I me. Can I be internet. honest with you? Yes. I've never liked that movie, and I've always been afraid to kind of put that opinion out there. It's just Billy. not funny. They're funnier Bill Billy. Murray movies. This is why we're friends. I know. It's not funny, and it's infuriating. We will go down with this ship together. <laughs> yes, we will. No, we won't, because you will find us a beautiful schooner from Message in a Bottle. <laughs> what if this starts a whole movement, like hashtag Groundhog Day wasn't that good? <laughs> No, hashtag Malabar, because that's what it means. 
weird sailing away from all of those Groundhog Day Okay. Um, So I think that's it. Check your show notes. You're going to see some links to the stuff we're talking about. Um, Other than that. Billy, I think we came up with our new sign-off. Malabar. Uh, check us out on Twitter at Kim and Billy talk. Thank you to Aaron Kosser for our fantastic art and, and we'll see you. Yeah. I, I was just going to jump in and do say, it, do um, it. if you like us guys, please tell a friend, um, rate review, subscribe, tell a friend. Or like, if you think that they like groundhog day and they're going to fight tell with them us, they're wrong. <laughs> yeah. Tell them just they're be wrong. Like, hey, you're wrong. <laughs> and without further ado, I think all we have to say now is. Malabar.